Well, again, my name is uh, Marshall. Good to see your smiling faces. And um, I do want to make a quick announcement about the sermon series. We are working our way through the Ten Commandments, as you just heard and we'll see in just a moment. Uh, but next week, we are going to start uh, the command, uh, do not commit adultery. I'm basically going to do a two-week series on sex. And so, uh, and it's actually not going to be consecutive weeks because of travel, um, but on February 26th and March 12th, I am going to be speaking about sex. It's going to be PG-13, okay? Um, so this is, I'm, I'm informing parents as much as anything. We will have uh, programming downstairs in the basement for 5th through 8th graders who uh, would like to... Um, Avail them if you or your parents want to avail parents. I'm talking to parents. If you want to send your fifth or eighth grader downstairs, uh, I want to be able to speak. I'm not. It's not going to be rated R, uh, but it is going to be PG-13. Uh, this is February 26th and March 12th. Uh, sermons on sex. So there will be programming downstairs uh, in the youth room or in the prayer room. I'm not sure which uh, for fifth or eighth graders. Uh, Paul Moen will be re- leading that time. So it's up to you, parents, for those grades. I do think it'd be. Uh, quite appropriate for high schoolers. So, and I'll announce it again at the beginning of the service so you remember this uh, uh, on, the, on those weeks. But February 26th, March 12th, sermons on, on sex. I wonder what you're thinking right now. But anyway, um, let me pray uh, as we turn uh, to a different but very important topic. God, be with us as we uh, pick up this topic of honoring our father and our mother and for all that means. God, for some of us, uh, we've had great parents, and this is a happy topic for us to uh, think about. For others, uh, our parents are gone, and it's just a sad topic uh, to think about. And for others, God, it's a deeply painful topic because our parents, uh, although we might have tried to honor them, they were not honoring to us. And so for all of us, God, we all have parents. We all have parents. I pray that you would be with us as our perfect, loving, merciful forgiving heavenly father be with us for christ's sake amen there is a old Grimm's fairy tale that goes something like this there was an old man his eyes blinked his hands trembled and when he ate he clattered the silverware distressingly he missed his mouth with the spoon as often as not and dribbled a bit of food on the tablecloth now he lived with his married son he had nowhere else to live And his son's wife did not like the arrangement. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. They set him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day his hands trembled rather more than usual and the earthen well bowl fell and broke. If you are a pig, said his daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough and he ate his meals in that. Now this young couple had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond. And one evening the young man noticed his boys playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. He said, I'm making a trough, the boy said, looking up for approval. To feed you and mama when you get old and I get big. (laughs) The young man and his wife looked at each other for a while and they didn't say anything. Then they cried a little. Then they went to the corner and took the old man by the arm. They led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair. They gave him his food on a plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded him when he clattered or spilled or broke things. That's a bit crude and on the nose, but that 
is a good story. We've been studying the Ten Commandments, and it's essential to reiterate. It's the reason I have these verses printed. As before we even get into this, it's essential to reiterate that the law of God, the Ten Commandments of God, are given in the context of God's grace to us, okay? Uh, even it was just, Beth just read for us, verse 2 of Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then come the commandments. God redeems us, then he gives his command. God shows his grace to us, then he gives us the law, which is to say, super important, we do not keep the law to earn our redemption. God redeems us and then gives us the law. And God's law, is, even as, as Diana alluded to in the children's sermon, is given to us in love and it is given for our good. It is how we are to live. It is teaching us how to live by grace. And in the course of this sermon, we've used a couple of different images. We've used the image of a skyscraper and said that the Ten Commandments are like the high steel on which a great life can be hung. We've used the image of a path on which to walk. But this, uh, this week I came across this from some old notes of mine. G.K. Chesterton, in his book Orthodoxy, says this. The more I considered Christianity, G.K. Chesterton writes, the more I found that while it had an established rule and order, the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild. Giving room, a Christian order that gives room for good things to run wild. That'll be probably the context of our sermon on sex. Well, this morning, though, we turn the bit of a corner. We have looked at the first four commandments, which have to do with our honor, our duty to God himself. No other gods, don't worship idols, uh, don't profane God's name, keep the Sabbath. Those are all Godward. But getting here in, in, in the fifth commandment, there is a pivot uh, to one another, how we treat one another. This is called the second table of the law. The first table is all Godward, commandments one, two, three, and four. The second table of the law is how we love our neighbor as ourselves. When Jesus summarized the law, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's commandments 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's commandments 5 through 10. And the com- there's an integral connection between the first table and the second table. I had 1 John 4, verses 20 and 21 printed for Let me read verse 20. It's in your bulletin. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he cannot see cannot love God whom he has not seen. You see, you cannot love God and not love your neighbor, or to say it positively, to truly love God, you must love one another. We must love one another. So this morning, the fifth commandment, verse 12 of Exodus 20, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long and that the land that your Lord, Lord your God is giving you. And in a culture like ours today that worships youth, abandons the aged, questions authority, uh, where it says it's natural to hate your in-laws, immature to ask parents for advice, and abnormal to value friendships of someone who is older, uh, this seems like an exceedingly relevant thing for us to consider. So what I want to look at today is quite simply, what is honor? Uh, To whom is honor due? Why do we honor? And how do we honor? What, who, why? And how? What, who, why, and how? Honor. First, what does it mean? What does it mean to honor? Now, for children, and I'm just for 
per, I don't know how to define this. I basically say children are somebody you're still on somebody else. Somebody else is paying for your life. That makes you a child. Um, children are minors. Honor does mean obey. If you look at the passages that are printed uh, from the New Testament, from Ephesians chapter 6, it says children obey your parents. And so for children, honor does mean obey. But in Exodus chapter 20, the focus is on not children, children, but on adult children. Notice that the, uh, in Exodus 20, the fifth commandment, it does not say the word children, and it also does not say the word obey. It is addressing adult children, and it says not obey, it says honor. Honor your father and your mother. Now, the word that is translated honor there is the Hebrew word kabod or kavod, and it means to make heavy. It means weighty, to treat as weighty. What does it mean to honor your parents? It means to treat them as weighty. I think the best way to understand it is to treat them as significant. Okay? I think it's remarkable the Bible does not say, it does not say love your parents. It does not say admire your parents. It does not say appreciate them. It does not say feel warmly about them. It says honor. You know, because some of us have had parents who were absent. Some of us have had parents who were downright terrible to us. Some of us have never met our parents. Some of us were abused by our parents. And I'm going to address all of that in just a moment. But all of us, all of us are called to honor our father and our mother, which is to say to treat them as significant. And it's not because they're wise. It's not because they earned it. It's simply because they are your parents, and God gave them to you. I was moved this week by a quote from the uh, Protestant reformer Martin Luther, who said this, Remember that however lowly, poor, frail, and strange your parents may be, nevertheless, they are the father and mother given to you by God. Parents are not to be deprived of their honor because of their conduct or their failings. Or a few years after, Martin Luther, the Heidelberg Catechism, says this, that we are to have patience with our parents' weakness and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. In short, what does it mean to honor? It means to treat our parents as significant, as weighty. Okay? So that's what it means to honor. Well, to whom is honor due? Now, the main focus for us this morning is our actual parents, our mother and our father. But many commentators, ancient and modern, have noted that this does include broader forms of authority, other authorities. There is the political authority of the government that is in view here. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. There is what the Puritans call the ancients. Older people uh, in society are to be honored as authority. There's spiritual authority, pastors and teachers. I kind of like that one. I'm not going to go there. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, there's employers, and there are real. Then there are our real mothers and fathers. And our main focus again will be our actual parents. Now, there's a couple things that are intriguing to me about this. One is this: we in the 21st century. I don't know what this is. We seem to be more concerned about being good parents than we do about being good children, adult children. I mean, there's books, there's seminars, there's websites. I have a whole section of my library about being a good parent. And God is clearly concerned about being a good parent. He is. I mean, the Proverbs, it's all over. 
But it's interesting, being a good parent does not make the Ten Commandments. But being a good child, an adult child, does. God seems to be especially concerned about being good and honoring children. I mean, if we offer a parenting seminar, and we've done it in the past, we'll do it in the future, those things sell out. <laughs> parenting seminars, they sell, we all, well, what are we supposed to do? But what if we offered a, parent, uh, a seminar, how to be an honorable adult child? Nobody would show up. <laughs> and maybe that's because all of us at some level, some more than others, have been hurt and disappointed by our parents. Our parents have left scars. All of us have scars from our parents. And we all have an ingrained sense that it should have been better. It should have been better. And I want to hear you say, it should have been. Your childhood should have been better. And that's true for all of us. I think that's why it's so important. And I think the reason we have that sensibility is because we know some sense, even if you're not a Christian and you don't know a heavenly father, that there is some sense that there's a God out there who is perfectly loving and a perfectly heavenly father. And for all of us, though, there is a sense that it should have been better. And I must say this, though. There is a different level. There's a deeper and another level because, and I want to pick this up now, and it's a little bit of an interlude. I probably should save this for the end of the sermon for the how section, but I know for some of you this is such a hurtful topic that I want to get to it immediately. Because some of us have had parents that do not seem worthy of honor. Again, maybe you've been abandoned, abused, neglected. You have had some level of bad parents. And the question is, how do you honor dishonorable parents? How do you honor dishonorable parents? And it is complicated because there are instances where honor might entail cutting off relationship, having a boundary. That would be a form of treating them as significant, respecting them by saying you cannot keep on doing what you're doing. You're dishonoring yourself by harming me. There's even instances in extreme cases where honoring your mother and father may actually include calling the authorities. Which is to say, though, all of us still are called to honor our parents, to treat them significantly. And some of them have done things to some of us that are so atrocious and so difficult, but we still honor them by treating them as significant, even if it means cutting off relations or establishing quite firm boundaries. Because we all owe honor to our parents. Okay, so we've seen a little bit about what it means to honor, God, honor parents. We've seen a little bit about uh, who that is unto. But let's look at why. Why does God command this? Is he just propping up the patriarchy, the matriarchy? Uh, is this not just a dangerous idea, honor your father and mother? Why are we called to honor. I want to suggest four reasons. And the first is the most obvious. God commands it. You see it here in Exodus 20. It's in the Big Ten, the Big Ten Commands. But it's also several times in the Old Testament where dishonoring your parents was actually punishable by death. Let me just read one instance. Exodus 21, verse 17. He who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. But it's not just the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, that take this seriously. When the Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans, details what it looks like to depart from God, what he looks like for him to disobey, he makes a long list. Let me read some of it. This is Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. 
And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, they gave themselves, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Which is to say that in the same list are murder and inventors of evil is disobedience to parents. So it still begs the question though, why does God take this so seriously? Second reason why. Because to honor our parents is the pathway to building a healthy, vibrant society. Look again with me at the actual command in chapter 20, verse 12. It says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Notice anything different about this command? This is the only command with a promise. This is the only, of all the ten, this is the only command with a promise that if you keep this, I will bless you in this way. And in fact, the promise is inherent in the command. Because as parents fulfill their mission and children treat them with respect, children are directed to a lifelong blessing in the land. Because you see, this command, this command is intertwined with the biblical vision of a just and flourishing society. In Ezekiel chapter 22, honoring parents is linked to the care of the most vulnerable, of widows and orphans. You see, God is always for the vulnerable, for the underdog, whether it's children, widows, immigrants, or aged parents. God is always concerned with protecting the most vulnerable. And honoring our parents, especially our aged parents, is a key to a social stability. You see, friends, the society that destroys the family destroys itself. The society, I mean, you know that the Holocaust began with people who were not well mentally and those who were aged. And a society that neglects or, abage, or, or abuses the aged is destroying itself. It's actually at some level one mark of being human that we care about people who are aged. To say it positively, as one preacher said it this way, those who foster a society where old age is honored will themselves reap the benefits of that society when they themselves grow old. And let me just say this real quickly about our context. One of the things I love about our church is we are a multi-generational church. We literally have all the way from infants, in utero even, all the way to 90-year-olds. And that is a great gift to us to be embraced, that we can have relationships across generational lines, that we can honor both our children and those who are more mature and more wise. Which is to say we can make room for good things to run wild. We can make room for good things to run wild. So we've seen the reasons, first, that God says so. Second, it's the way to create a just and healing society. But more personally, thirdly, the reason why God calls us to honor our mother and father is this. God has placed you and your family with your parents. You see, the sovereign God gives you and me the family that we have. You can choose your own spouse, right? Uh, You have a role in forming your children, but your parents, they are from God. And though families make mistakes, there is no mistake in families. God gave you the right family for you. He gave you the right parents for you. He gave you your parents. 
This gets to God's providence. In his wisdom and power, he governs all of his creatures, and he gave you your family. And as you've heard me say before, part of maturing in Christ is learning to love your own story. Learning to love the parents that God has given to you. You see, there's the unchosen relationships of your life, they have moral weight. I did not choose to be born in America. I did not choose to be baptized into Christ's church. I did not choose my parents. But as another preacher said, God's purposes for your life and mine are inseparable from our families and our parents. Inseparable. And I think this is specifically true at the point of wounding with your family and your parents. It's because it's there at that tender spot where you didn't have your father's approval. You didn't have your mother's love. At that tender spot, God does not want you to run away from your parents. He wants you to engage them. He wants you to be healed. His power is made perfect not in our strength but in our weakness. And oftentimes the most tender spot in all of our hearts has something to do with our family of origin. And friends, God puts you in that family so that you might be a wounded healer for other people. Honor your father and mother so that you can deal with your own heart. And this brings us to the fourth reason for why we are called to honor our father and mother, my mother and father. Because this is a way that we can learn about God and specifically about God the Son, Jesus. Who in his earthly life was obedient to his parents. He honored his father and mother. At the end of his life as he hung on the cross, he provided materially for his mother Mary. He said to John, take care of this woman, my mother. And he obeyed his heavenly father. And understand that the price of Jesus honoring his heavenly father was death on a cross, paying for the sins of the world. You see, this command is ultimately about the father and his eternal son. And it unveils, some, it unveils something of the inner life of God. I think it's some way, the more I've thought about this, and I, I haven't checked this theologically, I didn't read this, but the more I, this command actually unveils something about the inner life of God, which is something that is really obscure to us in Scripture. Because what we see here is Jesus honoring trusting, obeying, giving weight to his heavenly father. And as Jesus honors his heavenly father, he inherits the promise. And as he honors his heavenly father, friends, he actually inherits the promise for you and me. Because understand this, Jesus' obedience to this command, his honoring of his father is so that you and I, if we place our faith in Jesus, can live long in the land. This is the key to our salvation. Jesus honored his father, and therefore the promise is for all of us who are in Jesus. So we've seen the who, the what, and the why. why. Let's talk a little bit for a moment about the how. How do we honor our parents? Treat them as significant. First of all, I've already mentioned for children, that means Uh, obey unless there's something destructive. That's a more nuanced conversation. Uh, There is, of course, a time for a child to disobey their parents. Um, Not often, I don't think, but it does happen. Uh, But primarily, this is for all of us, and specifically for adult children, five ways to honor your parents. And I'll I'll put it in a little bit longer phrase, and then I'll put it in uh, single words at the end. But take care, first, take care of the physical needs of your parents. Uh, Our parents did this for us when we were children, and as they grow old, the tables uh, turn. 
uh, when uh, our son was younger, my wife used to take our young son to the library for reading hour. And I love this image. Uh, when she would go to this reading hour, there was this man who was probably 60 or 70 years old who regularly brought his mom, who looked like she had Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, to reading time. She loved to be around children. And she told me that story, I was like, man, I hope I'm that kind of son someday. Loving my mother enough to take her to reading time to make her happy. Love and take care of the physical needs of our aged parents. I know this is a fraught question, but it at least means this. I'll give you one takeaway that you can do today. Pick up the phone and call your mom. Call your dad. Second, so that's uh, the one word there is serve. The second is listen. And what I mean by that is take your parents seriously as human beings, as individuals. Don't treat them as stereotypes. There's so much shaking of our head when it comes to our parents. You, we tend to be gracious and understanding to so many and so many people, but not to our parents. Take them seriously. Allow them to be a human being, dynamic people who change. So often we treat our parents as one-dimensional. Allow the parents, your parents the possibility that they might evolve. And also listen to their stories. Be sympathetic to their life, what they have faced, the relationship they had with their parents and with their grandparents. Let their story engender compassion and sympathy. I was very close to my maternal grandfather, and it was, it's a source of sadness to me that in one of the last interactions I had with him, one of the last interactions I had with him, I dishonored him by in front of other people getting on to him about his tipping. He was, he was not a good tipper when you go to a restaurant. And uh, I, you know, with all my infinite wisdom at 22 years of age, like, you know, I got on to him. And thankfully, he pushed back. Uh, and this, but the sad thing to me is this literally is one of my last encounters with him. He says, you have not experienced what I've experienced. You've not seen what I've seen. You don't understand why I don't tip much. And the more I thought about it, after he passed, I thought, oh, my goodness, this man was literally raised on a farm in the Dust Bowl without two pennies to rub together. He was a child of the Depression. Of course he didn't tip much. Now, that does not excuse poor tipping. But it does give a context to it, to listen, to treat as a human being, to understand their story, why they're the way they are, even the ways that they hurt you, to start trying to understand what it is about them that made them the way that they were, even to you. Listen to their story. Treat them as an individual. Third, simply, just say thank you. <laughs> say thank you. Notice the good things they've passed on. It might not be everything. Some of you have had great parents. Some have had average parents. Some have had below average parents. You know, but there's a way to say thank you. Maybe your mom was emotionally distant, but she was a hard worker. Thank her for being a hard worker. Maybe your dad was financially irresponsible, but had a great laugh. Find ways to say thank you. Acknowledge their desire to see themselves in you. Your parents, especially as they get older, they want to see themselves in you. They want to be proud of you, and they want to know that you are proud of them. Fourth, and maybe most significantly besides fifth, which is the most significant, but fourth, forgive them. How do you honor your mother and father? You forgive them. Of course they made mistakes. And how do you forgive them? First, you have to name the debt, and it helps to be as specific as possible. Not, you loved my sister more than me. More specific, but when you gave me a bike for my 16th birthday and her a car, it felt like you loved her more. Be specific. It's better to do this face-to-face. -face. For some, it's not possible. That person is either too dangerous to have that conversation with, or they're passed on. They are no longer with us. They're dead. But you still need to name the debt. 
Maybe you're adopted and you never met your biological parents. Name the debt. Maybe you feel abandoned because of that. You may need to forgive someone you never... So you name the debt, but then secondly, release the debt. You have to name it specifically. You can't just rush over and act like nothing happened. Name the specifics of the debt. And then release the debt. Forgive them. We are bound to reproduce what we cannot forgive. And we'll, we'll reproduce it either by doing the same thing or we'll go to an equal and opposite extreme. For instance, someone who comes from an emotionally distant father only wants to be the buddy of their child, does not want to be a parent. Or the, parent who, or the child who comes from a strict mom, they, only want, they won't let their kid get away with murder. We go to one or two extremes, right? The only way to break the cycle is to forgive. You don't have to be bound by the old woundedness. And if you don't forgive, your parents are still in charge. Your parents are still controlling you. They're still winning, as it were. And there's also this. If you don't forgive your own personal relationships, and I dare say especially your parenting, and maybe most especially, your marriage will struggle. Howard Hendricks put it humorously. He said this, most of us are walking around with our umbilical cords hanging out looking for somewhere to plug them in and get our needs met. And our, our marriages become maimed by the emotional wounds that we have never resolved in our own lives. Let me say this, the best thing you may be able to do for your marriage is to honor your mother, father and mother by naming the debt, releasing it, and forgiving them. That may be the best thing you do for your actual marriage to your spouse, your husband or your wife, is to forgive your parents, even if you can't say that to them face to face. And that brings us to the fifth and most important uh, way to honor your father and mother. We've spoken of serving, listening, thanking, and forgiving. But finally, make sure that you are a child of your heavenly father. In fact, this is actually the power for you to embrace and to love and to honor your parents. To know God's perfect love for you. A love that brooks nothing. It forgives all. It accepts totally. And once you experience the life-affirming, life-changing love of God the Father, that is a way for you to start to move towards your parents in honoring them. 2 Corinthians 6 says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. You have a perfect and loving heavenly father. And the more that you know his love for you, the more you can honor your own parents and find healing in your own life. So honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. At the very least from this sermon, just pick up the phone and make one or two phone calls today. Honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And always remember that it's because Jesus honoring of his heavenly father that allows us to live into that promise. Pray with me. God, if, I'm, if my instincts are right, I know people think a lot of things and feel a lot of things about a sermon like this because it's so close to the bone. Our childhoods, our hopes, our dreams, the things that disappointed us and hurt us. And so God is our good and perfectly heavenly Father. I pray that you would draw near to every man, woman, and child in this room and online right now. 
that they would know your love for them so that they might find a way to honor their own father and mother. For Christ's sake we pray.